All right, here we go. Another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in this week. Today's podcast is a continuation of the studies from Tony Warden. So if you haven't already, go back and listen to the podcast titled Out With The Old, In With The New, breaking down the scientific arrow process. And in this episode, Tony has moved on to phase two of the testing where he takes um, the scientific arrow process. He takes arrow concept one point and then he takes just a standard way to build a shaft without any upgrades and he compares them he shoots them side by side and we see the results on 166 arrows 204 arrows 246 arrows and crossbow bolts and then he also did some testing on a balanced arrow and an extreme heavyweight foc arrow and we'll see the comparisons there. So it's a really good study. If you want to follow along with the testing, head to wardensoutdoor.com and all the graphs and information summaries are on that website. So thank you to Tony for going through all the effort to do this. Dorge also joins us on this podcast. So I have my archery experts again with me. Guys, November is ramping up. It's the best time of year. The weather has cooled down significantly at the time of listening to this podcast. So hope you guys are all having a fantastic week. Also, one quick announcement, Black Friday is coming. So make sure you head to the ExodusOutdoorGear.com website. Sign up for the email newsletter at the bottom of the page so you don't miss the Black Friday sales this year. Last year, the sale ended in just about an hour. So you are going to want to sign up for that newsletter so you don't miss it going to be the biggest savings in Exodus history. With that being said, I got to head to the woods. Good luck to you guys. Enjoy the podcast with Tony Warden. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. Uh, Today, I am joined by... Mr. George Huang, and we are joined again by Mr. Tony Warden. If you guys have listened to the previous times, we've had Tony on twice, and we're breaking down phase two of his arrow testing. If you haven't already, please go back and listen to uh, the second podcast we did with Tony, and it breaks down phase one. But real quick, Tony, uh, give everyone that may be new here an introduction to yourself. Well, quick introduction to myself. I've been shooting since uh, 1964. Um, Two worlds, one North American, 15 Canadian uh, field archery titles, bow hunted all over the world, certified um, coach in both Canada and the US. And I've tested over 2000 products for uh, archery companies and outdoor companies uh, over that time frame. So you've had, um, you've, you've taken the, taken it upon yourself to go ahead and test a bunch of different area arrows in a bunch of different scenarios built different ways real quickly. Why don't you talk about phase one of the test, what we've concluded there, and then what we have moved on to in phase two. Well, part, part one, uh, was basically looking at the arrow velocity um of the different types of arrows uh, and the kinetic energy the hitting power of various arrows um some were done with uh, a standard arrow build the the way 
people have built arrows since <laughs> before I started, you know, basically you know, last hundred years or so. Um, versus the scientific arrow process that uh, actually Dorge came up with um, that is a lot more accurate and a lot more precise. Um, basically breaking it down, um, we get better results at the, with using uh, the scientific arrow process. Uh, it's kind of hard without having to go through <laughs> all the, the graphs again. Uh, we also, the standard deviation um, charts are interesting because they show uh, the different arrows, uh, shafts actually, uh, and how close they are between uh, each other for uh, accuracy uh, of, um, you know, in groups of um, shafts. Sure. So moving on to phase two here, what are we testing in phase two? Well, phase two was kind of fun. Uh, basically what I did was I took a whole bunch of arrows. I built some with the uh, standard arrow way and another set of three with the scientific arrow process. And then I mixed and matched components. And, you know, so say a, a Raven crossbow bolt with um, uh, arrow vein twos uh, and Saunders points. And it just, I mixed everything up a bit uh, so that we could tell whether, you know, whether um, it makes a difference with which components you use, uh, with which arrow shafts, and you know, just uh, it was it was kind of fun to do it. Sure. So let's dive into to what you found here. Um, if anyone wants to follow along, Tony has uh, published all of this information on a website, wardensoutdoor.com, and you can go to the menu there, and there are a bunch of different graphs, and we're gonna skip down to the 166 hunting arrows graft. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about what we found here. Okay, well, the, like you said, this is the first graph. It's 166 diameter hunting shafts. I'm personally, I'm not a huge fan of the 166 diameter, um, probably because, oh, when they first came out, um, I was given a set of them and uh, they can, tended to break real easy on me, even though they were supposed to be set up, you know, there's proper uh, spine, proper weight and everything. Um, I just, I, I'm not someone who thinks going that small is necessary for hunting. Um, you know, I use the standard size, you know, a two, four, six arrow, but uh, you know, I, what we can see with this graph, um, there really isn't much difference between standard and scientific method of building the arrows out to 50 yards, okay? Which basically encompasses everybody <laughs> or sure. most people, okay? Yep. Um, 
we're we're talking such a small amount of difference it it's you know doesn't really matter how you set your arrows up now that being said if you have it set uh concept 1.0 system uh, that's the top line of the graph you can see that once we hit 50 yards and past that's where it really starts to make a huge difference um <laughs> You know, we're talking five to six percent difference. Uh, otherwise, you know, but basically, they they doesn't matter what your combination is if you're not using the concept one system on it. I think what it does is it gives you a little bit more stability shooting a, the concept 1.0 with a 166 size. Um, that's that's the only way I can see how they were, you know, would outperform it, uh, taking away a lot of the um, vibration, a lot of the uh, um, harmonic energy, you know, uh, getting rid of that. Sure. So real quick here, just for reference. Well, actually, I want to add a little bit. What you're dealing with is the Benelli principle on two dynamics. The thicker the wall, on the same material, the thicker the wall, the smaller diameter, the longer the memory effect, the larger diameter, the thinner the wall, the faster the recovery. I mean, those are principles. I mean, those are pretty much two dynamics. It's not an if, but what, what condition do you have to make it work differently? I think we are going back to the original. What is the most optimum based on the condition you use and what let off we're dealing with? Sure which we've covered a bunch of that stuff um, in depth. So if, if any of the listeners want to want to hear more about um, that memory effect that George is talking about, uh, there's a ton of different podcasts to, to reference there, which is something that um, I think everyone should know and listen to because it's something that's not talked about and something that I've never even heard uh, before talking to George, but um Real quick, looking at this graph, just for those that are listening and not following along, what we have here is um, we have three different 166 shafts. We have a Black Eagle X impact, um, a Black Eagle deep impact, and um, we have a couple different vein configurations. So we have the X vein, the AAE max vein, uh, AeroVane 3 and AeroVane 2. And out to 50 yards, like uh, Tony said, everything is basically right on par and losing about 7.25% of speed out to 50 yards. And then you put Aero Concept 1.0 with AeroVane 2 on that Black Eagle X impact shaft. And at, um, let's just go to 70 yards here. 70 yards, you're looking at a loss of eight and a quarter percent to the difference of like 11%. So there's a 3% difference started just out to 70 yards. And then as you get out to a hundred yards, like Tony mentioned, it's a difference of over 5% there. So pretty big deal when you look at adding Aero Concept 1.0. Um, however, out to 50 yards, it's all basically uh, right on par with each other. Does that seem to be an accurate description there, Tony? It's exactly uh, what uh, the conclusions that I came up with 
for it. Um, yeah, there's, like I said, there's virtually no difference out to 50 yards with uh, this type of arrow. Okay, so the next shaft size, so we're going down shaft sizes, uh, we have the quote-unquote mid-diameter shafts, a 204 diameter hunting arrows. Um, what did we find here? Well, basically what I did was I used three companies' arrows. Um, we used Gold Tip, Black Eagle, and Element. Uh, their Typhoon arrow is a mid-size. And uh, we plotted them on. If you really look at it, they follow a, almost all of them are almost a straight line, you know, uh, on this graph, which shows that they're a lot more consistent to whether you're up at zero or at a hundred yards. It's almost like I took a ruler and just drew straight lines across there. Uh, you can see like the bottom ones, those are your, um, element arrows, your, uh, department store type arrows again. Uh, um, and then you can see like the gold tip actually has, uh, with the, uh, one and a half inch blazer veins that use very small blazer veins for it, for that particular arrow. And it actually had the best results out of any of them. Uh, out at a hundred yards, but you know, other than, like I said, the um, the element typhoons, uh, they're all very very close, uh, and I actually kind of like the performance of of these arrows. Uh, I've never shot them other than for this testing, but uh, when you look at you know your top four or five arrows. You know, what, what are we looking at here from both at 50 yards? Um, what's that? 6% to 7%. So, you know, a 2% uh, difference in velocity is not a whole lot at 50 yards. Uh, again, the scientific arrow, this time, scientific arrow process does outperform the standard process. Um, you know, uh, what can I say that it's just, <laughs> it's a better way to build an arrow. <laughs> that's, that's basically what we're getting to here. Um, yeah. as we go through all these graphs, one thing that, um, just out of curiosity for, for me, I was looking at, um, just the one six, six compared to the two Oh four at that 50 yard distance. Um, you have a more efficient arrow with the two Oh four. Is that, exactly. does that seem true? Yes. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's a little bit bigger arrow. Uh, yeah, you might get a tiny bit of wind, uh, crosswind effect on it compared to the 166, but it's a lot more efficient, a lot more stable. Um, you know, it, it's, like I said, uh, I've never been a fan of the 166, but um, George? Yep. Actually, I want to point out a very important part because a lot of people they keep on thinking the wind efficiency of the 166 over 204. Again, I want to point out a lot of people when they think of 166 and 204, they think of shaft size. They need to rethink how the arrow actually goes through air. When the arrow goes through air, it's from the front to the back. Look at the arrow from the back to the front or front to the back and rethink about what 
a wind drift or whatever, it don't mean anything. The percentage is so small, it's neglectable. The big deal is how the shaft behave in air when it's passing through air and how the vein interact with air. Because when the shaft is flash flexing and the vein is on the shaft, that's where things really go bad. It is the vein and how the vein is on the shaft and how the shaft flexes, which, which is what you're seeing. A lot of people, they thought that, oh, the 204, why the 204 actually perform better than the 166? Again, we proved that. But then a lot of people think, oh, your 204 is more efficient. But what does the word efficient stand for? Where did it come from? I think it's the recovery of the shaft and how the vein interact when it was on the shaft, when it going through air and, pre and then forming the crosswind signature. I think this is where, again, looking at the data, because it just when you look at data, you need to devise why the result is coming out. Because see, a lot of people say, oh, 166 is thinner, it should go through better. But the vein on the shaft and how the arrow flexes is a bigger deal than most people can imagine. Sure, and then throw a broadhead on it and it all gets even more critical. That's going to be the fun part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be uh, a phase three teaser there. So yeah. let's look at um, let's look at the two forty six shafts. We have something uh, pretty pretty insane going on here with this graft. <laughs> well, yeah, I actually was able to use um, uh, some shafts, the Victory V Force V one shafts to test. So that gives us an even broader market or uh, a broader market, but broader um, uh, spectrum of arrows. Uh, the pink line. <laughs> that uh, I was asked by a representative of uh, Zinger Veins. I was at a, um, uh, a show with uh, Skip from Gearhead and they were there and he asked me if I would use their veins on a set of shafts for this, uh, for this um, uh, testing. So I went on, I got like three and four Fletch, uh, ones that he gave me. And um, I watched their video online and then put their veins, I say fletch them, but you just slide them on. Uh, I put one at one inch, one at one and a half inches, and one at two inches from the base of the knock. Okay. Uh, generally speaking, and George can correct me if I'm wrong, the closer to the knock the fletching is, is the better. It gives you more stability. But uh, with these results, it, out to 50 yards, I mean, they performed. They, they're, uh, you know, the lowest performing one, but they performed. Problem is, is the one inch, um, the one that I, I did one inch from the back of the knock, it hit the dirt at, at 51 yards. Okay, uh, the one and a half at 48 and the one at two inches away from the knock uh, died at 49 yards. Um, it wasn't the greatest arrow flight 
I could actually watch the arrow going down. And that's, you know, this is something because it's a 70 pound speedbow that I'm using, the uh, Expedition Eccentric on this. I, it was flopping around kind of like a wounded chicken. Um, and well, that's about all I can say <laughs> uh, uh, about it. Um, I kind of debated whether I should even put this on, uh, but because their representative asked me to put it on, as I've always said, good, bad, or indifferent, you're gonna get the results. Uh, so those are the results. Um, you know, going again, your concept 1.0 and 2.0 arrows outperformed all the other ones. Um, and your uh, science, scientific arrow process outperformed your standard arrow process. Um, I know this is a graph that's pretty difficult to read. <laughs> Trying to figure out different colors in each spectrum for the you know the number of arrows it's it's was not the easiest thing um but what i did was i took um like say eastern full metal jackets i did them with standard fletch with uh blazer veins i did that exact same or arrow with scientific arrow process you know i i i tried to um you know if if you look at the way my uh the chart is on the bottom. I kept the standard ones on the left and the science of arrow process on the right. So you can, I guess, follow the, um, the vein down, uh, you know, the, the color down and see. Um, but what's kind of cool at 20 yards, there's a difference of about 4% velocity, okay, uh, between the least velocity lost in the most. At 40 yards is at 7%, but then 22% difference between the um, science of arrow, scientific arrow process and the standard arrow process, uh, standard fletch. So, you know, there, it, it does make a big difference between the two arrow processes. Yep, I think, um... I think it's very evident, very clear that throughout the testing, that is the way to go. Um, was there anything in this test outside of the zinger fletchings that may have surprised you? No, not really. Um, well, kind of at the, with the 166, I was a little bit surprised. I thought our scientific arrow process would show a difference, like a be better than, um, not including the, the concept 1.0, but I guess when you're talking that small of a diameter shaft, there really isn't <laughs> any difference the way you make them. So um, otherwise, no, it's pretty much, like you said, the zingers are the only thing that I went, oh, ouch. Uh, one thing, I did get a request uh, from uh, a person that, that wrote in asking about four fletched uh, because he's, he said some 
uh, pros like Tim Gillingham uh, shoot for Fletch. And well, two reasons why <laughs> I don't put that up. Number one, um, I don't have access to the equipment. Okay, uh, maybe sometime, maybe the next time I, uh, I get my hands on the equipment, I can do a four fletch to see what the difference is. Uh, but I just don't have access. The second thing, um, he mentioned Tim Gillingham and, uh, you know, Tim and I have a, have a fun relationship and we kind of, you know, throw zingers at each other, but what you got to <laughs> realize, Tim shoots, uh, I think it's a 30 X uh, arrow from gold tip. I mean, that that's a huge, that's <laughs> like shooting a 30 caliber bullet, uh, to be honest, because he's such a huge guy. Like he's, he's bigger than I am. I'm six, two and 240 pounds and he's bigger than I am. Okay. So he needs four fletch on his to get, the stability since he's using very low prof profile veins. I believe he's using something along the lines of um, uh, the, uh, what is it? The AAE um, yep. veins and they're very low profile. Okay. So to get these extremely large arrows to work with those low profile veins, you need four of them. I 100% agree. He uh, he's got the best setup for him. Now I have offered uh, a couple of times to build him a set of arrows. Give give me your arrows, you know, or your shafts, and I'll put them together, and you can test them out yourself. But you know, he doesn't really want to do that. I understand why I I personally would not shoot arrows made by somebody else. <laughs> you know you know Being i'm a professional yeah i i'm no longer in the same league as as tim is i mean he was still in diapers when i started shooting you know so um he he's at the top of the seniors category now uh and i'm kind of at the bottom of it so you know i, I would not presume to say that me building arrows for him is better than him building arrows. But, you know, I, I got to kind of think, especially if I set him up with a, uh, you know, the concept two or concept one, uh, he'd be happy with them. But he guess. also, he also has to, we have to realize that Tim is under contract with different companies. Okay. Sure. And he's not allowed to do that either. You know, he may or may not be. Um, you know, I don't want to keep harping on Tim, Tim, Tim. It, he's a great guy and I really like him. Just don't let him know that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's, that's why Tim Gillingham shoots such four-fletch uh, four is because he's got such huge arrows. You know, I, I don't even shoot that size of an arrow indoors with a slow bow, you know, and big feathers. So uh, that that's that's about all I got on on uh, extra on that chart. Across the 166, 204 and 246 studies, um, did you take any conclusions away on what 
vein performed best? Well, the arrow vein too did. Okay. Um, it, it, and it's across all of these tests. Okay. Other than when you're shooting target arrows, the, that's when the arrow vein three really works or when you're, uh, you know, shooting super high velocity. Okay. Like in your cross cross. Yeah. If we're talking regular arrows or hunting arrows, uh, the arrow vein two followed by Duravane. And then in third place is the AAE Max Fletch. And then you have your blazer veins. And then, well, we can we can look at the heat veins kind of at the other end of the spectrum. Um, but yeah, that that's what I take out of this. Um, just the and that's why, like I did testing before I brought anything into my shop. I always test the stuff out. Uh, I used to actually use uh, Dura veins when they first came out. That was my go-to at the shop. But when I was introduced to the Aerovane two. Um, that was my go-to. I wouldn't, I, I just, unless somebody specifically asked for blazers or, uh, you know, any other one, they would always get the Aerovane too. Just that was my go-to arrow because it outperformed even back then when I didn't have all these charts and equipment to, to prove it just with the eye test. Sure. Yeah. That's fantastic news, um, for, Everyone here, the Exodus MMT fletched with Aerovane 2. Get yourself, get head on over to the website and get yourself some of them. <laughs> What's MMT stand for? Neither Dorger I could remember it. Really? Yeah. Okay. So there's, it's like a play on words. That's uh-huh. maintained momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, more mass, better trajectory. Ah, okay. Also, it's just the moment, the Exodus moment. If you talk to Dorge long enough, you'll realize that he says that word a lot. He'll say, the moment you do yes. X, the moment you do this. So that's where that's where the arrow got its name, the wow. Exodus moment, the moment of truth. Gotcha. Excellent. <laughs> um, so I want to, let's move on to the crossbow one, because if you think some freaky yeah. stuff was going on with the 246 <laughs> shafts, we got some serious stuff going on here. And George and I just recorded um, a couple podcasts about crossbows, and I'm getting more educated here. And one of the arrows that George talked about a lot was the Black Eagle Executioner, and uh, uh-huh. I can see why. Yeah, the Black Eagle Executioner performed very well. Um it, I mean, we use standard fletched and I used uh, like standard fletched X veins um, with the Black Eagle Executioner. And then I used the scientific arrow process and arrow vein twos. And they outperformed everything again, except for the concept 1.0 and 2.0. Um, we took the Raven they're standard ones that you get with the kit. And by the way, all of these were tested with an a, a Raven R10, which I think is probably their, the best one of the Raven lot. Um, but you take their standard uh, veins and you can see that 
they perform okay out to, you know, 50, 60 yards. And then you just get this monster drop. Uh, but then you take those same Raven arrows and you throw on the arrow vein twos and you throw on, you do the scientific arrow process and man, you're way the heck up. Um, what's that about half as much loss at a hundred yards Honestly, as, yeah. you know, it, it's, you're talking, what's that 16 or 17.2 or three down to 32 and a half, almost 32 and a quarter drop. Um, yeah, just about half. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of amazing the difference that a little bit better way of building your arrow and, um, you know, the arrow vein two over the blazer vein makes a difference in, uh, uh, in how a Raven arrow performs. Uh, um, go ahead. Well, George. actually, the thing again, we're dealing with speed. The moment mm -hmm. you go crossbow, you pass the magic 315 feet per second. Your aerodynamic is key. Mm -hmm. The moment you got an airfoil compared to, say, a two by four going back the back of your truck, should I say more? <laughs> and then, not to mention the rotational mass of, of the entire airfoil. That itself, when you see the difference, I mean, yes, we're talking seven, about, but something is 17 to 34. Mm -hmm. But you're really looking at the numbers from a total point of view, it's a hundred percent or more difference in energy loss. Right, yeah. right, exactly. And not to mention, you think about it. I, I want to talk about, since we're talking about this subject, when you're dealing with crossbow, like, like me and uh, the camera was talking for the last two weeks, last two episodes, the biggest deal of every single vein when you hunt is the sound. Yes. The moment the fluttering, the sound, just like Professor Selig teach me seven ways of sound from the vein, in crossbow, that sound is the number one problem. That's the reason people don't do long shots. The moment your arrow goes through air with no sound, long shots are no big deal because there's nothing to alert the, the animal. This is one thing that both people will say, oh, don't do long shots. One of these days, again, go out there behind a barn, let somebody shoot the arrow at high speed and see how the arrow come to you. It gets louder and louder. The other is getting just simply zipped by. That's where, and not to mention when you're making sound, sound is a form of energy creation. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. So energy is being lost. And In not to arrow. mention if you hunt, remember the air is getting closer to the animal. It's getting louder. Wow. I didn't know that it increased in uh, volume, the sound increased. No, it's in not. The distance of the sound to yeah. the animal is getting closer. I know, but uh, the farther the arrow is from you, it gets louder. I didn't realize that. No, I it's not it... louder. It's getting closer because of the sound coming out towards you. Take somebody holding a speaker when they come closer mm -hmm. to you, it get louder. It's oh, the okay. same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another just plug for the scientific error process here, even with um, that Black Eagle Executioner arrow, um, it's again a pretty much twice the energy loss at uh what distance are we at here 45 yards uh you're at yeah. like three and three quarter percentage total loss and compared to uh seven and three quarters yeah. so 
that that was the you throw arrow concept uh what's that 1.0 in there uh and no no there's not even no it's not, not a it's not a concept it's just using the scientific arrow process with aerovein 2 as opposed to a standard build process with uh, and that was fun alignments or the, the rest of the goodies like concept yeah. inserts to be straight without going to the tubings so just that alone because the spine alignment, how the energy was ref reflected from the shaft. Right. And That's... if you look at that that one, really, uh, the Black Eagle Executioner with the Aerovane 2s, it's virtually the same. Uh, the energy loss doesn't increase between, what's that, 35 and 60 yards. You know, you're, you're at, what, about four and a quarter. Uh, energy loss all the way through there before it starts losing energy again yep. uh, which, which that's kind of that's kind of neat just that in itself um, I was actually you know you say were you surprised well a little bit surprised at that uh, I thought there would be some drop but there was virtually none between 35 and 60 yards. Maybe George can explain why that is. Well, the reason for, first of all, you need a lot of people need to understand when Randy kids out with, and Jason Wilkins out of Black Eagle, when they come try to come up with the, a crossbow shot back in 2008, they asked for my opinion. And uh, I'm very glad that they, uh, I'm very flattered that they asked me for to, what they should. The first arrow they designed is closer to a 350 spine. I say, Randy, this is not going to work. You need to increase up the spine way high. 200 is low because back then when gold tip laser uh, laser three was a three uh, was a 250 spine they say no aim for 250 or if not 180 the moment you have spine of that that kind of spine on a crossbow you cannot look at a much more efficient energy transfer but then i was really kicked in the face from telling you know when you put arrow concept spine is not important well the results <laughs> show me that i was totally wrong because I can mechanically fix that. Mm -hmm. Yep, just like when you got, no matter how good you build the tires, at the end of the day, you need to balance it before you put it on the car or else it's going to drive like shit. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. And I learned, and that's the reason when I find out how important it is and how bad I did the job of thinking that spine alignment is not important. And then I also find out that the whole process, if you look at it, the Black Eagle arrow, the mission arrows, the uh, Raven Arrows, the K-Max Arrow, the Arrow Bow 2, all of them are just private label of a Black Eagle Executioner. It is one of the best crossbow arrow for the money you can buy, really, bar none. Well, I think, yeah, I think, the, I think this uh, test definitely shows that. Yes, mm -hmm. it does. I, and to be honest, that's the crossbow bolts that I handled in my shop were the Black Eagle executioners. I rarely ever, you know, I think I did a few gold tips, um, but it mainly, again, the, the Black Eagle, like George said, uh, are probably the, the best um, arrow shafts out there for crossbows. Um, and then when you combine that with uh, a Concept 1 or a Concept 2, you you would really see the difference. I did not put that in, um, but there there is a uh, there's a good size difference there. Yeah, but unfortunately, the Black Eagle Concept One, which is which is what Aeroboat Two is, 
But then the moment you go to Aerobo 3 with a concept one, the price is where you really get problem. That's reason for, and for guys, unless they want extreme performance, you can't go wrong with the Black Eagle Executioner or, or the Aerobo 2 200. Those mm -hmm. are actually the same as the Black Eagle Executioner. So you can see the performance there. There's no denying it. The shaft is very well built and very consistent. I mean, if you just want to shoot 50 yards, you really can't go wrong with that. I mean, yes, that is going to be different. But for the guys who are pushing for the 120, 120 yard out, well, that's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> <laughs> you got to spend a little bit more, more money to get that type of uh, performance. Right. So that we have two more two more graphs here that um, we'll touch on quickly. Um, you mentioned the first of these two. Uh, what we have here is a a balanced versus the extreme FOC uh, arrow builds. And when we say balanced, we're talking about seven percent FOC. And uh, with the extreme FOC, we're talking about like thirty percent, which is absolutely extreme. Uh, what do you find here? Well. Uh, nothing surprising, to be honest. Um, whether you, it's not whether you shoot a heavy arrow or a light arrow, okay? It has to be well balanced. If you're going to stick an extra 100 grains of weight on the front of your arrow shaft, the back of your arrow is going to flop around like a fish out of water. It's just you know, it, it, it just has to be that way. That's, that's how it goes. George can probably tell you the yeah, scientific that's the basic reason. Two dynamics on an anchor point. Yeah. The moment it, you're going to, see the arrow is supposed to flex on two nodes. The moment you allow one node to take over, the other one become a flap. Yeah. And like, that's not what, what I'm talking about. Now, when I say 7% is a balanced arrow, 7% FOC, you know, it could be, Six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent. Yeah, the but consensus is between eight and twelve. But right. for guys who really know how to tune their bow, as we find out with Arrow Concept 2.0, that six and seven percent is magical. It is, it is. And I mean, you can this this particular graph is the velocity loss. I mean, it <laughs> uh it does, you know, it makes sense. A lighter arrow is going to lose less uh, speed than a than a heavier arrow. <laughs> you know, I I put that one in um, just because I took the time to build it, so I did. Um, the next graph, or do you have any questions on this graph? No, I mean, really. I was looking at it. It seems pretty straightforward to me. Yeah, it is. You know, lighter arrow doesn't lose as much speed. Mm -hmm. um, but this is this is the one where, you know, I said I, you said we were going to do it quickly on this, but this is the arrow or the the chart that I want to show people. Okay, this is the kinetic energy loss. All right, which is your hitting power. Take a look at twenty yards. At twenty yards, a balanced arrow at three hundred and eighty-five grains loses approximately 7% kinetic energy or hitting power. The extreme FOC arrow, which a lot of, I don't know, I, I'm hearing a lot of rumors that 
guys are saying you need to go extreme FOC for, you know, better hitting power and that. Well, at 20 yards, instead of losing 7% of your hitting power, you're losing 17 and a half. That's over 10% of your hitting power at 20 yards. Uh, you know, and that's what people average. I'm not talking about a heavy arrow that's been balanced properly. Me personally, I prefer shooting a faster bow and a lightweight bow so that I can customize it to fit me. The weight of the bow, I can add, you know, to balance it out right. But if I've got a fast bow, I can, instead of, you know, shooting an IBO uh, five grains per inch, I can shoot a lot heavier, well-balanced arrow and still be at, you know, around 300 feet per second. I mean, when I went for Grizzly, um, the arrows that I were, or the arrows that I were shooting, um, I had a speed of 290 feet per second, but I was shooting almost a 500 grain arrow. It was like 485 grains that, uh, that we built for this. And when you take that and you multiply it out to 60 yards, you know, they say a grizzly bear, when you're hunting grizzly, you need about 65 foot pounds of kinetic energy at, you know, I call it muzzle velocity, but at zero yards. Okay. Well, I've got that at 60 yards because I'm shooting a fast bow, but then I'm taking and giving it a lot heavier and a well-balanced arrow. So this isn't, you know, a heavy arrow versus a light arrow. This chart shows the guys that are using the stream FOCs, as I said, enough said about it. You know, it, it, this is the proof right here. So my question, go ahead, George. Well, actually, this is exactly what I want to point. You see, when I do military grade arrows, the the uh, the arrow shaft itself is fourteen grain per inch. Then there's a hundred grain of fuel points in it, and then an eighty-five titanium tip. That arrow, because of a gyroscopic spin and using about four hundred and fifty feet per second bow at a hundred yards, because of the gyroscopic capability, because of super heavy spine, it lost less than five percent at a hundred yards. That's mine. The arrow is seven hundred yeah. grains, but that's a well-balanced arrow. That's the point. The that's arrow is only nine percent nine percent FOC. Right. But that thing was spinning at three hundred revolution. I mean, just like trying and buying out of North Carolina, he shot that thing on a on an old police uh, what do you call it uh, class three safety vest. It blow free both sides as anytime as he shoot it. Mm -hmm. I've actually. But remember, you are not talking yeah. FOC. You're talking nine percent. Yep, I, I've but done that too. I've, <laughs> put, arrow, exactly. <laughs> I put arrows through uh, six layers of bulletproof vest material. You know, it just, it's got to be well balanced and heavy is okay, but make sure it's balanced. So mm -hmm. hypothetically, we do this test again, right? With, um, let's just use the number of 486 grains because that's the heavier arrow. Mm -hmm. If we take a 486 grain build with 7% FOC and a 486 grain build with that 30% FOC, will these results be the same? That yeah. will come out exactly what the graph shows. 
Yeah. Because see, that's where the problem is, is, is energy retaining and energy dis- then deprivation over distance. Because your shaft is being flexed to the extreme. You've got aerodynamic against you. The moment you, you, you go fast enough, the air recover fast enough, that is everything on your side gaining. The moment you shoot under 315, the shaft flex and aerodynamics will be way on the other side now. So that is actually multi-depth on level. And I think eventually we'll, I mean, this will be a fun build. We're going to build, say, arrow from, say, 30% FOC, 15% FOC, because, you know, we have fine art. We make shaft that is worth 14 and a half grain per inch. All the way down to, we now get, the, say, cheetah, we can easily go down to uh, eight grain per inch. Then we can play with, I mean, I make every single grain field point size. And on top of that, remember, heavy FOC, if you do not have arrow concept in it, the arrow is going to flex beyond imagination. Because I know that one of my very good pro staff, just too short, dear, and no more than 15 feet, her arrows are all 30% FOC. She chew every single deer, but she's shooting at 15 feet on a 40 pound bow. She's, she's technically <laughs> shooting a spear. She don't need the veins on it. Right. So correct me if I'm wrong here, because th- this is something that I want to clarify um, in my mind. But mm-hmm. so the, let's just go back to graph one, right? Balanced versus extreme. You said like, no surprise here, a lighter arrow loses less energy. Theoretically, isn't it supposed to be the heavier arrow will lose less energy downrange? We're talking, talking momentum only, yeah. not air drag. And not also, air, if yeah. you increase speed, that air drag increases, which is exactly opposite. Just like, remember, I mean, I think I remember one vivid example from one of the Mercedes-Benz chief engineer. He said, why do you put, build the SL so heavy? Wouldn't you like it to be lightweight so you can go faster with the engine? At the end of the day, you need to be balanced. Everything yeah. has to work together. I'm not talking about FOC changes. I'm talking about arrow weight, balanced. So right. take, the, take the 486 at 7%, mm-hmm. take mm-hmm. the 385 at 7%. Which one of those would lose a percent, a higher percentage of energy? The, now, the lighter one. Yeah. Right. Now, yeah. We're, this, is, this is velocity on the first. Uh, this is not uh, momentum. This yeah, not this flux is flux. not momentum. This is just pure speed. Right. And a lighter arrow. Multiple things. <laughs> a lighter arrow will travel faster. You take shoot a light a light arrow at with a 70 pound bow and a heavy arrow at a 70 pound bow, the light light arrow will get there quicker. Not this doesn't say that it's going to penetrate more. All it's saying is that it'll get there faster. <laughs> right. Because it starts off at a faster speed. But I'm right. I'm I'm talking about like a percentage of the beginning speed. So say you shoot it, it launches at 278 mm-hmm. for the light one, the short one launches or the heavier one launches at 250 yep. at, Im- at impact, which with 30, 40, 50 yards, whatever you use there, the mm-hmm. speed percentage loss theoretically should be higher with a lighter arrow. No, that's not hundred percent true because now you're talking multiple components. First of all, there's a speed passing through aerodynamic efficiency. Second, do we go through flex trajectory efficiency? Again, every, this is where most people will lose their mind on this because there's so many layers. It's worse than an onion because every single can overtake the other one. See, that's the reason we find out 99% of people, when you do under 280 feet per second, 
Everything we talk about in most cases don't really matter because aerodynamic do not really kick in on your 280 and 315 is dominant. And then at the same time with the heavy FOC and weight and so on, the shaft dynamics do not really kick in unless your FOC is over 15 and more. And then at the same time, usually for vertical bow, guess what? Your shaft is gonna be worse and your vein's gonna worse. This is not true in crossbow because you've got abundance of power. Then you really see this coming out because you think about it. If you've got 70 pound bow, your entire input is this much. Now you need to optimize the entire input. That's where, remember your conversation with Matthew? He told you the best errors are 375 to 385 grade because that's where the input you got on the 70 pound 30 inch draw. Sure. But the moment you go to crossbow, first of all, you don't have 70 pound limit. You can, I mean, like somebody is putting 330 pound limbs on it. <laughs> right. And then the power stroke variance is significant. Just like you find out the scalper is going to be do much better because the power stroke is longer. Just like anybody who should vertical bow, notice draw length trumps everything. Besides, I mean, you can increase your draw weight, but draw length trump. But at the same time, drawing also cause issue because the demand on the arrow become more significant. See, this is all opposite based on your point of view, but you need to balance all of the above. Right. That's where when people say, oh, it's going to have better penetration. Yeah, obviously, if you're throwing a 500 green arrow with a good tip, when it touches the ammo, you're going to get more print because you've got more momentum. But then if you don't even make it, what are we talking here? Right. Because the trajectory is no good. Or the thing is getting too loud because the vein is flapping too much. All of them are very important factor. And just remember, it's always the dominant factor. And then the moment you control the first dominant and the rest will follow and you can't miss any of those. Sure. Okay. So just um, cause I did this test and mm -hmm. I found something different. So I want you to explain this to me. So okay. I have a 372 grain arrow. Mm -hmm. I shot it to 60 yards with a lab mm -hmm. radar. Mm -hmm. it, la it launched at 299 feet per second. It impacted at 60 yards at 268 feet per second. So I lost, I'm just talking velocity. I lost 31 feet per second. Mm -hmm. I did the same thing with 40, a 444 grain arrow and I lost 24 grain, uh, feet per second. And then I did the same thing with the 566 grain arrow and I lost 18 feet per second. The heavier arrow lost less speed. Yes, because first of all, you are dealing with an arrow that's not passing 280 feet per second. You say that important part. So at that moment, you are dealing with weight, the mass, and quote unquote shaft. Right. Aerodynamic is not your your key point. Right. The flex is not your key point. Yeah, I just wanted to I just wanted to make sure I had that right because when we, no no when we... you have that right. But as I said, the moment as you see most of the really good bow that you passing the 280 and up. Especially just when we discuss crossbow and have your buttons of energy and aerodynamic and flex become a big deal. That's reason, you know, I told most people if you practice enough, the biggest downside for current arrow that you can find with the heavier weight is that you need to control the sound. Sure. So the smallest thing you can find is the best. But the moment you do that, guess what? Most people can't shoot because the spine alignment becomes so critical. Yep. All right. Am I helping or am yeah. I confusing you? No, yeah. I'm, I, I thought I had that right. I just wanted to clarify because when we, when we talked about that first slide, mm -hmm. um, I was like, wait a second. I don't, I, I'm not following, but I got it. I got it.
Good, excellent. Yeah, because see, a lot of times, remember Tony's bow was expert eccentric. That bow shoots three thirty five. Yeah, just the point that I wanted to like hone in on there mm-hmm. was it's not necessarily the fact that it's a heavier arrow and that's why it lost more speed. It's because it had the thirty percent FOC and the flight characteristics of it because the back of the arrow was a fish out of water that it lost more speed. Not just All because right. it was now heavy. you got it. There See, you go. That's what I I wanted to clarify that because I I didn't want people to be like, okay, well. That graph just shows me that a heavier arrow loses more speed. No, that graph shows you that a s- extreme FOC arrow right. loses more speed. Okay. All right. Yeah, and it, remember, we're talking speed. The moment right. we look at slug, we're talking about momentum. That's a whole different things. Because see, we, we have to look at one thing. We can't look at one thing at a time. But in order to be clear to our listener, we have to be sticking one thing. But when right. you start stacking it on top of each other, again, the word balance become key. Because mm-hmm. when you go into one any of those criteria, the move to into one extreme, what are you losing? Because that's no free lunch. No right, yeah. free you're, physics. You're if you're gaining something. something, what are you losing? So eventually you want to lose the minimum on all sides. All sides. That's the where the very critical word. Yep. Balance. Mm-hmm. Get the get to the point of impact as fast as you can with enough momentum to pass through. Yep. yep. So, all right, let's, uh, I guess, let's kind of tease what's to come in uh, phase three. You mentioned that this one's going to be fun. So what are we doing there? Well, I've got uh, several types of arrows built uh, where um, we're going to show, you know, the, the speed, the muzzle velocity speed um, to start using a uh, just field points um, and then I've got a few different types of lighted knocks. I got several different types of uh, broadheads. This one is going to be a video that I put up. Um, we're going to see uh, what what um, lighted knock works best in bright sunshine um, in kind of evening setting and you know very close to dark uh, i've got a place where i can do this i'm going to be using my own standard hunting bow 60 pound uh hunting bow simply because that's what most people use we don't use 70 pound bows that often Um, so we're going to see that Uh, we're also going to see how the different broadheads. I've got mechanicals, I've got semi-mechanicals, I've got uh, fixed blade broadheads. We're going to see how the arrow is affected with them, not only, hopefully not only just where they impact, but um, in flight, because I'm going to still use lighted knocks when I'm using the broadheads, and hopefully we will be able to slow-mo slow motion the uh, the arrows in flight to uh, to get them to show us how the flight is during a shot that's going to be interesting to see that's something that dorge always talks about with uh take that extreme foc arrow on a 166 shaft put a lighted knock in it and watch <laughs> watch what happens yeah no that ain't <laughs> happening <laughs> all right well that sounds good to me um again thank you for 
putting the time and effort into doing these tests, I encourage everyone to go to wardensoutdoor.com, W-A-R-D-E-N-S, outdoor.com, and check out all of these studies that we're talking about. Um, when we get phase three completed, we'll, we'll go ahead and that'll be published and we will do another podcast to kind of wrap up everything, summarize what we found. And uh, we talked about it already in phase one about like what Tony is actually physically hunting with after doing all these testing. But we'll recap that again at the end of phase three after you find um, all your testing, right. what you're like, OK, well, this is this is the setup that's going to work for me. So do you have any concluding remarks here, Tony? Um, not really. Uh, just, you know, I, I hope like I, I come off a little strong, especially, um, when I, with the, uh, kinetic energy lost, um, between balanced and extreme FOC. What, when I hear that sort of stuff parroted about, uh, I get a little passionate because they're, it, it, it just isn't, you know, that isn't true. Uh, what they're saying that, uh, that it outperforms it. And I'm hoping, uh, that this is going to kind of put that to, to rest. Uh, I am going to have to get out soon because it's a beautiful sunshine day here in Windsor, Ontario, and I can do some of that filming today. Better get out there. George, any concluding remarks from you? Well, I just want to make sure everyone understand. Everyone understand. If you want a specific size, can you make it perform like the others? In some cases, you can. It's just made of effort, money. Can a 166 perform as good as a 246? If you put enough design element, enough control in it, yes. That's an absolute proven. But then if you say, let me give you an idea. If I want to spend 80 bucks on a 246, one half a dozen arrow, on three arrows, and I want a 166 to match it, I would easily spend 200 bucks. So if budget is a concern, you need to rethink where your starting point is. But if you absolutely need some size and shape and look, you're going to pay for it. And I want to make people understand, yes, just like you discover on a 204, if you put enough money, that 204 is going to be really good. Oh, yeah. But then, <laughs> then you're going to pay about like double. <laughs> yeah. My, my wallet doesn't love it, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. But hey, just like with this way, somebody want to move fast on land, you really need to move 200, 200 miles per hour. If you need to, drop $2 million, you'll get it. <laughs> but then if you need 75, I think my from the my, my wife's old Honda Accord SEX would do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> sure will. Sure will. Well, with that said, um, as the kids would say, enough said. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs>